Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Larry here once again with the Deep Blue Holder podcast, where I, your host, Larry Holder, will be hosting a series of conversations and interviews with different persons in the dive industry and, you know, dive adjacent industries. In addition to that, I will be bringing you some bits and pieces of news from the scuba-related industries and, you know, general things that affect the oceans. Uh, This is something that uh, I've wanted to do for quite some time. And I guess you can say restrictions uh, implemented during the pandemic here in my country of Trinidad and Tobago have led to me having no choice but to do this as my outlet, seeing as I can't dive currently. Yes, I can't dive currently. And the reason why is because our beaches are currently closed, our rivers as well. Uh, these, this restriction, along with several others, was put into place by the, uh, the government uh, as a, a means to curb uh, rising uh, COVID, COVID, COVID infections and COVID numbers. Uh, over the past few months, we've seen a decline based on um, my own looking at uh, what news comes out from our Ministry of Health and so on and looking at what the numbers look like in our hospitals. We have less persons now being hospitalized for extended periods. A large part of that is due to the fact that we have vaccines available now. Um, We have a few different options available, um, stuff from the US, stuff from India, stuff from China, um, from from different suppliers. And we also got some um, donations from from within our region, uh, which is separate from what we would have purchased from other persons. I think we're doing okay in terms of uh, vaccinations right now. We're at that point where we might soon be approaching a threshold um, that would allow them to reopen some of these the activities like beaches and you know rivers allow me to dive. Um, so yeah, you know we're we're waiting on that. And ho- ho- fingers crossed, it's soon. I'm, I'm really hoping it's soon. But you know, having said that. Um, Let's look at what I wanted to talk about today in the news. And it's a very small piece. I wanted to chat a little bit about something that's been done across in the Middle East, in Dubai in particular. Uh, yeah, Deep Dive Dubai, you've probably heard about it by now. Deep Dive Dubai is a, a new attraction in Dubai, a place that is famous for its tourism attractions. Um, basically, they've created the largest uh, man-made pool in the world. I think it sits in the Guinness Book of Records. Um, let's see, it's 60 meters deep. So it is definitely the deepest and it's filled with fresh water and it basically allows you to dive in what looks like a post-apocalyptic scenario. Uh, you, I mean, I'm looking at the, the website now. It looks like basically a sunken city. So, you know, uh, I guess you can use the imagination as to what could have led to the city to be sunken, um, being sunk. And maybe it's a, a global warming thing. Maybe it's something a bit more ominous. But yeah, you basically dive within buildings and so on. And of course, in the interest of safety, they have like uh, 50 or so cameras throughout the pool, constantly monitoring. And based on your level, if it is your there and you just want to discover scuba, they have something there for you that like would, they would allow you to do. But if you're a certified diver and you want to just get a long dive, 
you can get that done. But of course, they would need to see a logbook or maybe a card or something just to verify that it's safe for you to dive there. Yes, yeah, safety is of the utmost importance. And it should be with all scuba divers. And in fact, uh, one of the, the persons that we're going to be chatting with today, well, the person we're chatting with today, a guy by the name of Jim from Discovery Divers across in Tokyo, he is going to talk to us a little bit about something called rescue diving. A lot of you have heard of that term before, but it has a different meaning based on who you ask. If you ask the average person who probably does not, uh, is not involved in scuba in any way, they may think that rescue diving deals specifically with um, rescuing persons who may be stranded or lost. Uh, when for scuba divers, when they talk about, when we talk about rescue diving, what we are referring to is a level of qualification. And this is something that uh, a lot of divers are encouraged to do. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to get too much into it right now because we're going to wait till Jim comes in. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about Deep Dive Dubai here. We're going here then there. These things happen from time to time. So in, uh, before they launched Deep Dive Dubai to the public, they invited a few celebrities. One was uh, Will Smith. And he has a pretty good social media following. And um, they encourage the different persons that they invited to, of course, share to their different social media platforms, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, whatever. And people were definitely amazed by what they saw. Uh, I myself looked at it thinking, thinking, if only this were there when I went to Dubai a few years ago. When I visited, uh, there was an aquarium, and I, I think there was an opportunity to do Discover Scuba in the aquarium. I was not certified at that point, uh, but I, I didn't take it up. Uh, I wasn't sure at that point that I, you know, um, I would want to have my first dive experience be in a pool, in an aquarium with, with, with animals there for display. Um, for, let's say, ethical reasons. It's not something that I am a big fan of. I know there could be some educational benefits and so on to using aquariums like that. But for my first dive experience, I did not want it to be in an aquarium. Um, having said that, uh, Deep Dive Dubai, it's, it's like many things that persons would, um, would know about in that part of the world, in Dubai in particular, could be a little bit on the expensive side, right? So I'm gonna pull up uh, the cost here for Discover Scuba at Deep Dive Dubai. Let's see, I'm going through the booking process. What's available? Let me pick, all right, I'm picking two o'clock. Put one participant. Yeah, I'm on the website right now. Oh gosh, there's a lot of, okay, so, the payment is, I don't know the currency, it's AED 1800. So let's see. Uh, hmm. So that's 1800 AED to USD. Hmm. You know, I'm not sure if I'm reading this correct, but it looks kind of expensive. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to quote the price right now because I feel like I'm going to be given the wrong information. Um, 
because what I'm seeing here is, is, is pretty expensive. So let me not give that price, but you can check over at a grocery website, deepdivedubai.com to get all the information on the pricing and to make your bookings and so on. Uh, yeah, that's and that's it for Deep Dive Dubai. Um, in other little news, Hurricane Larry is a thing, right? <laughs> Hurricane Larry has been passing through the Atlantic. He's a big guy. He's a category three hurricane at this point with sustained winds of uh, just over 125 miles per hour. But he's not projected to make landfall. He's looking to pass to the east of Bermuda and he's avoiding all of the lesser Antilles and, and uh, so on in the Caribbean region. Uh, in fact, should Hurricane Larry make landfall, it would be uh, probably a little bit beyond New York, maybe even Canada. And at that point, I don't even think it will still be a, hurry, a category three hurricane. So I think um, like most Larry's, he's quite gentle, strong guy, but he's gentle. So yeah, that's finally have a hurricane of my namesake and I don't have to worry about it being a, a brutal, savage beast that rip through entire communities <laughs> anyhow um that's it for the intro for today's show we're gonna go take a small break it's you know i mean for me the break might be a little bit longer for you who are listening but um uh yeah there's gonna be a small break and then we're gonna jump straight into that interview with jim goddard of discovery divers in tokyo looking forward to having you all join me for that Welcome back, everyone. We're joined here with our guest, Jim Goddard. He's joining us from the land of your eyes and sun. How's it going, Jim? Going good, Larry. Thanks for having me on. Nice to see everybody. Yeah, not a problem. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time off from your schedule to do this. Of course, um, Jim, and, Jim and I are in totally different time zones. I am, uh, I am about four hours uh, behind GMT. And Jim, you're about... I'm not sure how many ahead of GMT, but yeah, I don't keep track of it that way. I just keep track of the clock. You and I, Larry, we're flipped, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. That's 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 the best way to look at it. We're totally yeah. different sides of the world here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Jim, you're with uh, Discovery Divers, is it? That's right, Discovery Divers Tokyo, a little old uh, dive operation here in the Tokyo area of Japan. Nice. And uh, how long have you been there? In Japan? Yeah. I've been in Japan since 1995, so a pretty long time. Yeah, that's that's like a lifetime for some people. It's a lifetime, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, before you became a scuba instructor, what were you yeah. doing before that? Uh, well, actually, that's not my full-time gig, so I'm, oh. I teach it. Yeah, I teach university, uh, so I'm a teacher by profession. Right. And uh, scuba is, is a thing that's on the side as well as my, my YouTube channel. Right. Understood. Understood. And what, what field yeah. do you lecture? Uh, science and English. Okay. Okay. Well, look at that. Uh, I guess that makes sense, having a, a background in teaching something scientific, given that, in theory, scuba does cover a few, quite a few scientific areas, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. A lot of science there. Yeah. And um, which which diving associate, which organization are you with in terms of, well, um, we, I know some have PADI, some have SSI, but what about you? Right. We, we did talk about this. I am a PADI instructor and a NAWI instructor. Um, most of my instruction is in NAWI. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about NAWI. I'm not very familiar with it. I would have gone through the, the PADI route. Um, but I also did some dives with an SSI instructor. Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with those two when the systems of progression and so on. But I'm not very familiar with NAWI at this point. Um, maybe you can share that for some of our listeners. Yeah, sure thing. Um, I don't know uh, these days, size-wise, how big uh, NAWI is. I mean, they used to be number two way back. Maybe they've slid a bit uh, since then. I think they were the first dive organization, maybe because it was formed by Navy divers. Um, they're they're kind of claim to fame, and I, I'm not going to uh, organization bash. Uh, so it used to be, I think that, that Nawi's uh, standards were probably significantly different from a lot of dive organizations. Um, perhaps now, I think they're all governed by insurance, right? I mean, whatever the insurers <laughs> say, right? I mean, it's business, yeah, right? Yeah. So what's safe? And so, um, for example, used to be for open water that uh, you would need five open water dives uh, to qualify. Five or four open water dives and a series of free dives. I used to do five open water dives. And now it's become four like the other organizations. Um, But there are other uh, items that are different. The other nice thing about now, instructors have a lot of flexibility. So flexibility in using what textbook they use and what kind of uh, in-water curriculum they use. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of instructor freedom, which I found uh, very refreshing. Well, that sounds good. So I guess in in theory, um, a dive professional who would have been in the industry for several years and they would know about what works safety-wise, what does not work. Um, they might be able to put together their own curriculum um, and use it with NAWI. Is that so? Yeah. And you know what, Larry, you bring up a great point because what I found was um, I became a potty instructor first originally. Yeah. And what I thought was for me, uh, Patty was very good from, you know, I didn't have any friends who were instructors. I didn't have any mentor. So, you know, I went to this program in Thailand and whatever it was a month, a month and a half, and you know they can take up a lot of people and bring up to a certain standard a very good like production kind of a system. Whereas Nawi, I think, uh, doesn't have to be this way. But very often, they aren't these large, you know, IEs, uh, IDCs, mm. IEs, where you have 15, 20 people there. You know, you might be working one guy with a mentor, or two guys with a mentor. And so what you said, I think, is is very good. If you don't have a mentor or instructional experience, it might be a little more difficult to become a NAWI instructor because right. you don't have those, those ideas that you're bringing to it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess um, I, I, can see, I can see the logic behind it because um, I guess there are certain fundamental things that, that, that don't change when it comes to our industry. Um, like for example, our uh, dive tables and you know, the science behind the technology and so on that we use it. So as long as what, what is being taught is in line with those things and best safety practices in terms of uh, also respecting the marine life and so on. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it could be quite useful. Um, so also, uh, when did you, when you first got into diving, what did you want to accomplish? 
Uh, what did I want to accomplish? Well, let's see. My a lot of my family lives in Florida. Right. So you know, it's it's an ocean place. A lot of fishermen, a lot of uh, divers and spear fishermen. So it was just part of the ocean culture for that part of the family. So uh, yeah, it was just an underwater adventure for me. And I do like marine life. So gotcha, gotcha. And um, so I'm guessing you would have done. Um, you ever got a chance to do Blue Heron Ridge? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone says it's like probably the best shore dive on the planet. May I had one of the scariest night dives of my life uh, under that bridge. In retrospect, it was it was really fun. I was with my brother, and uh, you know the bridge. I don't know how wide it is, maybe five meters or something like that. And we were mm -hmm. under there for a night dive. It's a little spooky, right? Because you know, you know, you could get some big stuff there as well, but it was mostly, you know, tarpon and, and big stuff. So I had this monster light back then, a halogen. It was a, it was a halcyon yeah. light. And I'm, you know, looking at stuff and I look at my brother, I'm looking at stuff. I'm, there's my brother and we're under the bridge. And then I look at some stuff. I went to shine the light on my brother and my brother's not there anymore. There's just this giant wall that's moving past me, moving past me. I'm like, what is this wall? What, what is this thing? And then at the end of the wall was this giant tail. It was this monster manatee <laughs> swam between my brother and I. And it just freaked me out. And, and afterwards, I was just thinking how I would have freaked if that thing would have plowed into me at night on a night dive. I would have freaked that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that, that, I'm just think that's probably one of the gentlest creatures I've really seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. But I still don't want one plowing at me on a night dive. <laughs> correct, correct. You know, like when you said this wall moving, at first I'm thinking, is it is it a wall of fish? You know, what is it? And then when you said, like, oh wait, yeah. wait, that's yeah, that's 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 something else. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, no, that's that yeah. sounds good. And um, so I haven't been able to do blue heron ridges yet. Uh, unfortunately, after I got um, certified, um, some stuff happened in parts of the world that led to some lockdowns. So, you know, yeah, I haven't been able exactly. to travel as such. But uh, Blue Heron Ridge is on my list, as well as, um, mm -hmm. of course, the Keys, you know, yeah. um, some interesting Spiegel Grove. Oh, yeah, Grove. definitely. Spiegel Grove Almirada. at some point. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But by the time, I mean, until then, I will be continuing to do some dives here as long as I am able to. So mm. the logbook should look nice by the time I'm there. Good stuff. But I hear really good things about Spiegel Grove, and I've seen some amazing footage from some of the um, some of the other persons online. Yeah, some amazing stuff. Also, sometimes uh, depending on your dive operator, on the way back from the Spiegel Grove, they might stop at uh, Molasses Reef, which mm -hmm. is kind of a, sh a, sh a shallow dive, but very nice and great sea life there. You know, big Goliath groupers and yeah awesome uh awesome corals and there's that uh jesus statue underwater kind okay of that's where it out. is okay yeah yeah uh so um if you get the right operator you can hit that site on the way back it's a really nice spot that's it that's something i'm gonna be making a little note of now uh, <laughs> yeah you know i mean why not on the way back we're probably uh yeah based on how fast we're going i should be able to do another dive at that point yeah, and it's shallow. It's it's real shallow. It's like, you know, maybe 12, 14 meters. So it's almost like off gassing. So yeah, yeah. No, that that definitely sounds good. So so tell mm -hmm. me, uh, Jim, with regards to now we and the progression levels, what what are they? 
Um, you know what? It's it's basically the, the same as as most other organizations. So you've got you've got open water, you've got advanced, you've got nitrox, um, where what you got rescue. Uh, what's a little bit different about Naui is with with Paddy, um, the highest certification of a recreational diver, non-pro diver mm -hmm. would be master diver. Yeah. Um, which uh, which is you know you get those five specialties right uh, that sort of thing, and then the jump to dive master. Dive master is the first pro level, of course, and at dive master and Paddy, that's where all the knowledge development happens. So you have that encyclopedia of diving knowledge right. and, uh, and the leadership book as well. Um, however, in the NAWI system, the uh, peak of non-pro diver is master diver. And that one's a very, very serious uh, dive course. So it's a lot of dives, it's a lot of uh, environments. You have your encyclopedia at that level in right. NAWI, right? So it's a huge test. Um, and then in Naui system, from master diver to the pro level, which is dive master, is kind of a shorter uh, a shorter step because you already did the knowledge development. Now you just do the leadership and a few of the like teaching, assisting, and leading skills. So uh, just a bit of a different progression, different philosophy, but not not too different. All right, cool. That that actually makes sense. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to chat with you about is uh, rescue diving. Um, right. Yeah, and simply because when I speak to uh, friends who, I mean, most of my friends are non-divers, um, mm. when the topic of rescue diving comes up, they automatically assume it's uh, U.S. Coast Guard uh, suited up, jumping into you know rescue persons from like um, being stranded in certain areas, uh, maybe recovery and so on. And now I know a little bit about what it means to be rescued and yeah. certified. Yeah. But um, let's chat a little bit about it. Um, let's start off by you telling us what is rescue diving. Wow, what is rescue diving? Um, well, I could tell you what it means to me. So rescue diver, the way I see it, so rescue diver is the first certification level where divers are looking outside themselves uh, into their environment to, to solve a problem or, or solve a problem before a problem happens. So up, up until then, right, I, I would be as a diver concentrating on me, my mm. skills. What can, I, what can I do to become a better diver? And so what's interesting for me is that the act of looking outside yourself to help another diver kind of assumes that you have your act together, right? To be able to help yeah. somebody else, it automatically, in fact, by, by virtue of what you're doing, kind of boosts your confidence, just that fact, that, okay, I'm looking outside myself to help some other people. By that virtue, I have to, I have to be a better diver. So for me, um, it, it's, it's looking into your environment, uh, learning how to deal and prevent common uh, diving issues, um, and I think it, it's automatically putting you—it's putting you in, a, in a, a spot where you're looking around you and you know being you know kind of more into the leadership role, you know, seeing what's out there and, and being more confident. All right. So I mean, it, it sounds like um, I mean this might be an oversimplification, but it sounds a little bit like what defensive driving could be for persons using the roadways, uh, where you- One sense, sure. Yeah, in, in thinking about 
being safer for others, you're also being safe mm. for yourself. I right. guess it's a similar yeah. philosophy. No, absolutely. And and so the, the thing, so rescue for uh, instructors is a very fun course to teach generally. Right. Because uh, the, the, the pinnacle of it, and, and for most students, they would say that's the funnest, most fun course that, that they, <laughs> they had as well, right? Um, and so because as an instructor, what you're trying to do is you're trying to set up as natural uh, scenarios as possible. So you're, you're getting volunteers, people to, you know, be a victim and other people to come up and say, hey, you know, there's a problem out here. Could you come help? You know, you're a lot of actors and actresses. And uh, it can be a really fun course if you have a lot of helpers around. Um, you know, it gives a little bit of stress to the students. So they, you know, stress um, it has a positive and negative aspect, right? I mean, we, every time we're tested, we need to have stress and, uh, you know, stress is what you would experience in the real situation. So you have to have some degree of stress to be able to, you know, show that you could deal with that. So it's generally a really rewarding course and I enjoy it a lot. Nice. Uh, when I was being uh, certified, um, yeah. there was a one of the guys who, who was with us, he he was there to do some lionfish hunting. Now, of course, as you would mm. know, in, in our part of the world, they're not supposed to be there, the lionfish. So yeah. we do our part to get rid of them. Um, right. uh, one of them was, he was supposed to get his rescue dive. And um, I think he had one thing, a couple of things to do to complete his certification. And mm. um, the plan was to have somebody in our group uh, be a, uh, a random victim that he would not have been, uh, been aware of. <laughs> so yeah, I can see yeah, finally yeah. men there coming in. Yeah, yeah. And so you're always trying to surprise your your student. Like maybe, oh, okay, I'm diving with this person. Maybe my instructor told him or her to be the victim. And then maybe yeah. it's someone totally different. You know, you yeah. want to really mix it up so they, they don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> nice. So I mean, yeah. I guess when I, when I reach that point, we'll see how it goes for me. Um, yeah. But speaking about reaching that point, at mm. what point should a qualified, certified open water diver go into rescue diving? At what point should they say, hey, now is the time that I should be ready for rescue diving? Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, certainly someone would want to take advanced before that. And usually my, my own divers, I would recommend for advanced that they would be uh, maybe, you know, I don't like to put a number on it, but you know, that they can put their gear together by themselves. Absolutely. Uh, their buoyancy is sorted. They're not gonna hit the bottom unless they want. They're not gonna float up to the surface. They feel comfortable, safe, uh, enjoyable, good buddy skills. Um, then I would recommend, usually that's 20 to 40 dives. You know, so I recommend, right. you know, maybe advanced uh, then. And then, you know, after that, I think um, different people have different motivations why they want to become or would want to become a rescue diver. For example, a lot of folks who dive with their uh, partner or with their children, you know, they have a very strong motivation to be uh, able to, to take care of their family or friends. Right. So those people have a very definite, um, other people feel called, um, maybe they see that the professional path possibly could be something in their future. Um, so they'll, they'll say, yeah, it's time to push the button on, on rescue. And just other people, it, it just seems to be a time. I mean, it's kind of like being in a dojo, right? I, I used to be a, 
a martial artist for a long time. And right. you know, it's kind of like when you're in the dojo, right? Sometimes you just, you're in a group and, and everybody kind of knows when it's time for, hey, you know what? Maybe you should think about doing rescue soon. You know, you're a great diver, you know, you're kind of a good leader in the group, you know, yeah. you know, is it time? So it's kind of kind of like that feel sometimes. So I like I like that analogy there, you know, comparing it to the to being in a dojo. Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I have two really good friends who are uh, black belts, one mm. in Aikido and oh, wow. another in judo. Um mm. yeah, so and the one who does who has a black belt in judo, she's uh she's also an open water diver. So oh, right. Yeah. And I have yeah. I have another friend who I'm not sure what grade he made it to, but he did a lot of um, uh, Shotokan karate. Okay, and, um, know it, know it well. Yeah, he he's interested in diving. We spoke about it hmm. a couple of months ago, uh, so he he'll he'll be joining the the the, the family soon soon. Oh, good stuff, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So originally, when I when I came to Japan, actually it was to study uh, sword, samurai sword. So right. when I originally came, oh, so, yeah, nice. way back, yeah. nice. So, uh, so you mentioned, uh, um, I mean, you spend time as a martial artist. What, what discipline? Oh, gosh, long history. Uh, started out as Teng Sudo, which is Teng uh, Taekwondo. Uh, did that for probably almost 20 years. I've uh, done some Aikido. Uh, here in Japan, I was interested. As I said, I'd always wanted to study sword, uh, samurai sword, which here right. is called Iido. And so I did that for, for seven years uh, when I lived in Osaka. And then I moved here and got old and everything started breaking. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, life, life happens. <laughs> it sure does, mate. It's yeah. Hard. And I actually, I have another friend who's, um, she spent a year teaching English in, um, in Japan. Um, I mm. think she was, uh, she was somewhere cold. I think it was to the north, more countryside. I can't remember the name okay. I, I don't know if is that hokkaido area is it i'm not sure, sure. hokkaido's hokkaido's north yeah okay well that that one may have been where she was and she um okay when she did some visits to other parts of asia she got into to muay thai um yeah well, i think it was more I'm for hardcore. exercise but um ah, you gotcha. know you you would never think she's hardcore but apparently she is right, right. Was, oh interesting interesting yeah so, so let's chat a little bit about some dive sites. And um, you know what, Larry? Uh, Larry, yeah. if I could say one one thing that I sure. forgot to mention before I leave. So, one thing I should have mentioned, uh, another difference that has to do with rescue and Naui, is that every certification level, including open water, open water and uh, advanced, has a rescue component. So even rescue water divers will have to do demonstrate a rescue on, right. on another on another diver. So and in advanced as well. So so in Naui, like usually once people uh, are going to take rescue, they've already had that experience a couple times. So just a little bit of a difference. Okay, I understand, and that is that's logical. Yeah, um, I guess uh, and each what what the different agencies would do in terms of how they would treat with like a rescue and so on. They all have their little different, little different reasons as to why, but it always exactly. comes down to what works best, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and before we before we wrap up, let's chat a little bit mm. about a couple of dive sites across there in Japan. Um, sure you thing. just pick any two because I don't know of any except for the one you spoke about with the hammerheads kind of recently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so uh, if, if there were a visitor who are, who are coming to Japan, there, there are two areas that I would recommend. 
And one of them is actually not my area, but you've heard of Okinawa. Yes. Um, if someone had the time, I mean, it's kind of like going to the Keys. You know, I mean, they've got a bit of everything down there, including, um, you know, one of the smaller islands off Okinawa. They have the Ishigaki. You know, they have those manta rays oh. pretty predictably, you know, and, and other big stuff. And, and Okinawa in general is just a fantastic value. You know, it's, it's like the Keys. So you have, you know, nice visibility, great corals, all kinds of nice tropicals, uh, some turtles. Occasionally, you'll see some different shark species. Uh, very nice weather. It's very inexpensive, actually, like to stay and to eat. Right. Um, so, but it, it's a flight. So if you if someone came to Tokyo or came to Osaka, they would have it would be like flying to Florida. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. They, they would have to take another flight down to do it. So that's definitely one spot that I would recommend for if someone had time and they were here, Okinawa. Yeah. I'm t- I'll take note of that. I need to update my Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> And then in my area, so I'm in the Tokyo area, the, or otherwise known as the Kanto area, and mm-hmm. the dive area for us is due south, um, where you have a peninsula, the Izu Peninsula, and all around the Izu Peninsula, great diving, right? But the really nice diving, uh, well, the, the hammerhead dive, yeah. one of the hammerhead dives, it was on my video, is right off the tip of that peninsula. Okay, okay. It, and it's a, it's a bonanza. I mean, right now, still, Every day I'm looking at, you know, hundreds of hammerhead videos that people are putting up. It's just, it's been an amazing two years for hammerheads here. Wow. Is it, is amazing. it that, is it that the, the biodiversity is improving? And... You know what? I think it's the currents might be changing. So they, those hammerheads, they're scalloped hammerheads, and they follow what's called the kuroshio, the black current, the warm right. current. And the warm current apparently has been hitting Japan more so in the last couple of years. So the hammers have been here. Mm. Wow, yeah. that's that's certainly a good benefit. It is. It yeah. is. And then so so that so off the peninsula that Nikomoto, right? That the one hammer dive, and then uh, there's a, a, another island a short distance away, Oshima, Oshima Island, big island. And that also has hammerheads, uh, and they're in only like nine meters of water. It's it's ridiculous. Wow, nine yeah. meters on hammerheads. Nine meters of water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's that's pretty interesting, actually. Um, I would say the the, the bonnet head hammerhead is one of my favorite shops. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know them so, well. Yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting character. So let me just tell you a couple about a couple of our dive sites here. Um, Please do. Yeah. So I'll start off with um, the last one I visited. It's uh, it's in a place, a beach called Macreep Bay. And Macreep is a little bit, uh, has a little bit of a historic value here in that during World War II, um, part of our country um, was leased by the United States um, for a naval base. And mm. Macreep Bay was actually a submarine port. So... Mm. Uh, I mean, the docks and everything that were there back then are no longer present. Um, mm. But it's, it's kind of awesome to be diving in an area that, you know, a few submarines would have been popped up at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it has some, it has some good biodiversity. Um, typical reef fish, we have a couple small reefs there. Um, mm. Yeah, a couple turtles. We have a resident loggerhead mm. who, he's just chills. I don't know. Oh, he's, he always seems to be there. They get huge, right? 
Yeah, they do, they do. And um, but it's it, we still have bigger turtles here, but not in that area. Um, the biggest mm -hmm. turtles we have here are the leatherbacks. Um oh yeah, yeah, that's what the, that's the one I meant, right, right. The leatherbacks, yeah. yeah. We yeah. we don't get those here. They get um, like what three meters or something? They look like they look like VW bugs, they'll get huge. <laughs> it's and I don't know, I feel like they look bigger in the water. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but they're they're amazing. Um now one thing with the with the the visibility in this area in Macrate Bay, it's it's from poor to fine. Uh largely because where our country is located, Trinidad basically gets a lot of the, the water runoff from the Amazon that comes mm -hmm. out from Venezuela and so on. Um, and as a result of that, there's, you know, the water could be a little bit silty at times. And okay. um, yeah, we have two islands with two distinct personalities. And in mm. Trinidad, the water at most of those, at some of the dive sites could be more of a green hue as opposed to a blue hue. Oh yeah, but of course, once you time it with the tides properly, you could get at least get some better visibility. But you're still gonna have that green hue. You can't really oh, get away from that. No, that yeah. isn't Tobago. Um, yeah. Speaking about like what you're seeing behind me, this is um in an area called Speyside, uh, which is in Tobago, our sister island. And Tobago is um more what most people would consider to be typical Caribbean in terms of um, lovely beaches and uh, mm. uh, amazing seafood everywhere you go. Uh, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's a lot more relaxed. Um, mm. And in Tobago, we have quite a few dive sites, but the one I want to mm. talk about behind there is one called, um, it's not quite there, but it's in that general vicinity. It's called Japanese Gardens, of all things. Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, now, Japanese Gardens, about 10 years ago uh, in Speyside, if you go there, you would swear that you're in those opening 10 minutes of finding Nemo. That's, mm. that's the, the richness of the colors and the, you know, the different mm. types of corals and so on that you would see there. Wow. And that was then. Now it's a lot more muted. And that's because of developments that have taken place in the coastal areas. Gotcha. Um, so it, it doesn't quite have the same appeal as it did yeah. about 10 years ago. Um, mm. Unfortunately, you know, um, it's, it's the nature of things. And, you know, um, maybe at some point we could take some decisions to halt on some of the, the quarry and work and so on that takes place because sometimes yeah. in the interest of um, industrialization and, and profits, yeah. we, 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 we basically um, do more harm than good. Agreed. Yeah. What kind but, of sharks? What kind of sharks do you get there? Reef sharks, or yeah, primarily reef sharks. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's not uncommon to see typical little Caribbean reef sharks. We do mm -hmm. have, um, we have had tigers here in our waters. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, great hammerheads. Have you seen one? Uh, me, no, I've only seen. Unfortunately, the only hammerheads I've seen is uh, um, videos. In terms of local videos, most recently I saw one that unfortunately was a fisherman catching one. Um, I don't think he should be doing that, but he still did. Yeah, it. yeah happens, happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. about, it looked up about maybe five feet. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice looking animal. It's a shame yeah. that it was being caught. Um, yeah. We do have, those, we have some smaller shots. Great, as well. 
Those great hammerheads, do they get big? The great hammerheads get big. Do they get big over there? Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, given where Tobago is more to the northeast, so Tobago is right there with the Atlantic Ocean. So it's open ocean. Um, right. Once we go to that northeast tip of Tobago. So you yeah. can see anything from um, uh, uh, killer whales to whale wow. sharks, uh, great wow. hammerheads. Have quite, oh a few, quite a few mantas. Um, yeah. Uh, someone shared a video of a manta with me recently um, that was just gliding above a wreck, <laughs> just having fun. Um, Gorgeous. And we have we have a uh, you know lots of lobsters. Um, oh, beautiful! Yeah, barracudas. Um, yeah, it's you, yeah, we, good. Can you catch? Can you catch? Do you have a lobster season? You can catch your own. We don't have a season per se, but yes, we are allowed to catch the lobsters. Um, uh, the thing with, with catching the lobsters is that the divers that you're doing it with, they will have their own rules. So, for example, the guy that I certified with, he's very clear on if it is the lobster is too small, we're not taking it. Also, sure. if he picks it up and he sees that it has eggs, we're eggs, not taking yeah. it. We put it back. Right. Um, so, you know, um, the persons who, and most of the divers who certify persons here, they would have, mm-hmm. they would be very concerned about conservation efforts because they've they've yeah. seen firsthand what can happen right. if it was unchecked. So yeah. they always tell us about um being ethical when it comes to these things. So yeah, um, they would tell us right. like which which animals would be better for catching and which would not. Hey, that's what I uh, miss about Florida. And you know, recently I you know haven't traveled back there but you know when we go back usually it's in uh, august in the past yeah. and in august in florida they have the lobster season and you know you could go and catch and so here in japan lobster is really expensive i i never i never eat lobster here never right never right and you go back to florida and you're catching them a few times a week until i go home i'm sick of lobster i've eaten <laughs> so much you know <laughs> wow yeah i wow. miss that no lobster lobster is good and we have the uh it's a spiny caribbean yeah. lobster it's uh yeah, yeah good yeah, stuff here too yeah and um uh i've seen a few of them uh in on my own like just on a i did, i never caught one on my own i just yeah. observe them when i'm there because i'm still relatively new so i'm more focused on uh yeah. getting better more comfortable in the water bit by bit before right. advancing to the other levels and doing more fishing especially pool spare fishing because we need to get rid of these oh, really? live fish here. Yes. Yeah, so what, tell me, so I see some places in the world, they're like maybe trying to eat them or serve them and dishes. What, yeah. what do they do with the lionfish? Oh, uh, thanks for that question. I'm, I'm happy to share that. So yeah, basically once we catch it, we, we clean it and do a, a quick fillet. Um, because of the size, it doesn't make sense getting the meat off the head because it's so small, right. the amount of effort for the amount of meat to get, it doesn't make sense. It's easy yeah. to clean, removal, removal of the spines, and mm. then you get the fillet done. Uh, mm. After that, uh, different ways you could prepare it. Uh, we would season it with like uh, a little bit of salt, a little bit of black pepper, uh, some mm. cornstarch, um, mm-hmm. uh, garlic, things like that. And um, mm-hmm. you, you can fry it, you can, um, you can grill it, Different things you can do. Right. Some people and you've had it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. A few times. Um, okay. I've had it grilled, and I've had it uh, fried, deep fried. 
Mm. And uh, it was good both ways, to be honest. Uh, I think the fried was a little bit better, though. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I've never, I've never eaten that, and, and I don't. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say I don't know where, where, where are those fish native to? Actually, I know they're invasive almost everywhere. Yeah. Um. So they're native to like the Red Sea for sure. I got it. Um, okay. And I think so. I know there, there's more than one variety, um, and there's a hybrid now in the Atlantic. Um, but I didn't it's, know. It's in the Red Sea, and it's. I think there's some that are native to like Indonesia. Um, but in those areas, in, in the Pacific and in the Red Sea, it's part of the ecosystem. So yeah. The, the, yeah, the bigger the apex predators there, they see it and say, yeah. hey, it's lunchtime. Um, right. Over here, it's only just yeah. like uh, one of the guys I interviewed recently, he was in Belize doing a dive and they were doing a bit of a, a lionfish derby. And while doing this, um, and the shark kept poking them. Like literally, mm. he would not the shark would nudge them, then go to these little crevices. Mm. And when they go the to the crevice, fish. they would catch yeah. the lionfish. Now it seemed like the nurse shark was helping them, but the nurse shark was helping himself. Because after they yeah, caught it, the shark would come and take the fish from them. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, but interesting. the good the good wow. thing about that is it shows that nature has taken a bit of a self-correction course. Yeah. And the apex predators have been developed in a taste. Uh, yeah. I also saw a video of a barracuda. I think this was in Bermuda or the Bahamas, uh, mm. taking a, a lionfish off someone's old spear. That would be another, yeah, a barracuda. They don't play, man. They don't yeah. Play. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's nature taking a bit of a self-correction course, I think. And um, uh, we're seeing some of the, some of the apex predators beginning to develop a taste for it, which is great. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. I think, I think, I think the thing to have hope with that is so, you know, because we're humans, yeah, we only live on a human, human time scale, which is so short. I mean, it might take tens of thousands of years for certain things to learn to eat other things. And tens of thousands of years is short in nature's time scale, right? But compared right. to us, we're humans, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's so long, but it's not long, right? So, yeah. So yeah. they're learning that quickly. That's really encouraging, actually. It is. It is. So, you know, I'm hoping that um, it continues and uh, the groupers also develop a taste for it. We have a lot of groupers in our waters as well. Not the Goliaths. Oh, the, the oh, okay. Yeah. I love those Florida Goliath groupers, man. Those are amazing. Yeah. I hear they're a lot of fun, except when they're sporting. Oh, really? They're aggressive? <laughs> yeah, they get a little bit territorial when they're sporting. And don't we all? Don't yeah, we all? <laughs> there we go, correct. Uh, it's, it's, it's life. It's the animal animal kingdom. Um, I heard that when they um, and when they get a little bit aggressive, they, they clap their gills. And, yeah, I, mean, I felt that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they thump you. Yeah, so yeah. It, is, it, it is something. I, I'm looking forward to um, I, uh, I think the, in Spiegel Grove, you tend to see a few of them as well. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, yeah, I mean, so yeah. So down there, like if, if you do go, right, I mean, all they, you know, the nice thing about Florida, you know, they have that artificial reef program. So there are yes. wrecks all along. And it, it seems like, you know, almost every wreck would have one resident giant grouper, right? Like who, who that's his space or her space. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you could, they're just everywhere. It's, it's so nice, man. Oh. They claim those spots. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Well, hey, Jim, I really appreciated this chat. It was nice having this conversation with you. Um, Sorry, me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. I, I, I'd love to meet you for uh, for a nice rum and a cigar sometime, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Rum is rum is definitely a thing here. Um, so who knows if ever you're on this side of the world, Ivan, uh, I'm easy to get in touch with, and um, hopefully the next time I'm, I've been to the Philippines a couple of times. So hopefully the oh, next really? time I'm there, yeah. Um, I've That's never been there, by the way. Just okay, you should, you should. Yeah, at the time I wasn't yet certified, so right, right. Next time. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not making that mistake again, and uh, you know yeah. I have all my gear. So when that time comes, um, exactly, you know, the dive computer is right here. Uh, regulators are yeah, over there, see. so yeah, I see. I'll Perfect. go with all my gear now. Who knows? So me, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll do those same two dives you spoke about in Japan one day. Sounds good. Definitely interested in Okinawa, um, yeah. and and that one you mentioned that was nine meters. Um, yeah, yeah, Oshima. that's Oshima. Yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm interested in. Um, awesome. And your thanks for continuing to do all the content that you do. Um, something I would like to add, there were a couple of the videos that you had, one in particular, where you hmm. had the, the flexible doll to show the ideal fit Steve. position. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Over there. <laughs> yeah. That, that to show the positions for the, um, for yeah. maintaining trim and so on. Yeah. That was so useful. Very you have no video. idea. Yeah. Because yeah. there have been a lot of Very other videos video. talking about trim and buoyancy and so on. But that one actually gave you a visual representation of what mm. the ideal position should be. Right. And right. especially maintaining the angles and so on. And, you know, um, well, I saw well, a big difference. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I, I saw a huge difference in well, my diving you. both before and after looking at that video. Well, thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah. It makes it worth it. Thank you. No Cheers. problem. No problem. Keep up the good work, man. It was, it was thank lovely. You, you too, buddy. You too. Yeah, thank you. you could. I keep good on A. Keep safe. You too. Yeah, of course. Always. Cheers, man. All right, there. Cheers. Bye bye.